And you know what? With that reminder, it also reminds me that sometimes we need to just kind of go back to the basics. Okay? You know, um, this summer, we, we made this announcement last week that we, we've kind of suspended Sunday school for the summer. Okay, and we're going to kick it back off after Labor Day and, and, and do some different things along those lines. But one of the things about Sunday school, one of the things about discipleship is it reminds us of the basics. It kind of goes down through the foundational stuff. You know, Jared, that stuff that you were taught long, long ago that, that gives you a firm foundation. And, and Pastor Ronnie reminded us last week of the foundation of prayer. And I mentioned that when it comes to prayer, we probably know more about it, Jamie, than we do it. We don't need another message on prayer. We don't need another reminder that we should pray. We just need to pray. And he kept saying, when you, when you don't know what to do, pray. When you prayed some, pray some more. And it was just a reminder how we should constantly be in an attitude of prayer. Not just when we're in a bind. Not just when we're stuck in traffic. Not just when we're u- losing an argument with our wives. But all the time we should pray. So it reminded me that we need to get back to the basics. So I, uh, I began to think about that, and the Lord led me to uh, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5, chapter number 6, and chapter number 7 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It was really one of the greatest sermons ever preached. Why? Because it was preached by Jesus, okay? So if Jesus said it, well, that already, uh, that makes it pretty good stuff, okay? And, uh, and he talked about some very basic things, some foundational blocks that need to be a part of our spiritual foundation. Now, here's the thing about the Sermon on the Mount. It was, uh, it was some revolutionary teaching. It was some things that when you first read it, you kind of scratch your head and go, Whoa, that didn't make a lot of sense. But the premise behind the first few chap the first few verses of the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes. And that's what I want to focus on today. The Beatitudes is actually something that the Celebrate Recovery teaching is based upon, and I'll refer to that a couple different times. But today, I just want us to focus on the Beatitudes. Now, this summer, I will tell you that we will probably visit the Sermon on the Mount several times because there are some foundational teachings, there's some kingdom principles that you and I have to grab a hold to, that you and I have to get a hold to, because if we don't, if we don't, we're missing something. Amen? So I want us to, uh, to take a look at this, and we're going to read through it real quickly, and then I'm going to kind of break it down verse by verse. But let's get started. Matthew chapter number 5, if you have your Bibles today, you can turn there. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version, and then, of course, I'll also refer to the Message Version. But for right now, we're in the King James. Matthew chapter number 5, let's get started. Starting with verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain, and when he was set down with his disciples, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 
the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, some really uh, th- some real biblical principles that, that on the surface, you're kind of like, what? What did I just say? I'm blessed when I mourn. I'm blessed when I'm meek. I'm blessed when I've come to the end of myself. Well, you know what? After today's message, I think you'll realize that, that the world's definition of blessing and God's definition of blessing are two very different things. Amen? The world's way of doing things and God's way of doing things are absolutely two different ways of doing things. So let's begin to look at things in a biblical perspective. Let's begin to look at things how God looks at things. Because how many in here want to be blessed? Lift your hand if you want to be blessed. That's just to make sure you're awake. Okay? That is just to make sure you hadn't gone to sleep on me already. Okay? Because I think everybody in here wants to be blessed. Okay? But sometimes I think our definition of blessing needs to change. After today's message, I hope we'll get a good biblical perspective of what being blessed really is. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would uh, anoint me to communicate your word as you've spoke it to me. I ask right now that you would open up hearts and open up minds to receive from you in a great way. I ask today, Lord God, that you would bless this message, that God, that you'd bless this church, that you'd help us, Lord God, to, to grab a hold to some of these biblical truths we're going to talk about today. Lord, we want to be blessed. We want to be blessed as a family. We want to be blessed as a church. We want our community to be blessed, Lord. Help us to do the things that will bring blessings our way. Touch us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about what is blessed. Blessed is not where you live. It's not a physical address. It's not the clothes that you wear, okay? It's not the shoes that you put on your feet. It's not the car that you parked in the parking lot. But these are all barometers that the world measures blessed in. Seth, if you drive up in a new pickup, they're like, that's a blessed boy. If you drive up in an older model pickup, they're like, hmm, okay? No, no, that's not blessed, okay? Blessed is a condition of the heart. Blessed is a, is a status that you have not in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes. Sister Betty, I'd rather be blessed in God's eyes than in anybody else's eyes. Amen? Isn't that really the only place that really matters where we're blessed, okay? I mean, I don't mind if the world recognizes it, but I want to be recognized by God. I want God to say, that's my boy. He's blessed. So let's look at the word blessed. Let's see what it's defined as, okay? The word blessed, is, is the root word of it is makarios. And it is defined as spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions that carries one through pain, sorrow, loss, and grief. You see, it's joy. It's not just happiness, okay? You know, I was happy when the Berwick baseball team won the, the, um, uh, the state championship. I was happy two days ago when LSU baseball won a baseball game. Wasn't so happy last night. In fact, I went to bed on those fellows, okay? It was going that badly, okay? You know, happiness is up and down. It depends how things are going. Did our team win? Did things go well? How how are things at work? Happiness goes up and down. Joy, joy is tied to being blessed, and it is something that lasts. It's not tied to your circumstances, Have you ever met somebody who's been going through something very, very difficult and they still had joy? That only can come from God. Amen? They still have a smile on their face. That can only come from God. That's more than just happiness. That's understanding how you're truly blessed. 
So let's take a closer look at these Beatitudes and, and just kind of do an internal check. I'm just going to ask you to give the Holy, Holy Spirit permission this morning to speak to you and, and to touch you in some areas. If there's an area that you find yourself lacking, I've got good news for you. Guess what? I find myself lacking in some of these areas, but we can ask God because his grace is enough. Amen? His grace is enough to help us not only to comprehend these biblical principles, but then to begin to apply them. So let's take a a more closer look at chapter number 5 of Matthew. It says that, verse number 1, Jesus, seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain, and when he was set down with his disciples, he came unto him. You see, here's the thing, guys. This message was not preached to the multitudes, because the multitudes probably couldn't have handled it. He preached it to the disciples. You know, every church wants to reach multitudes. We want to reach multitudes. We want to make a difference in our community, as we should. But the key to reaching multitudes is training disciples. You see, guys, that's why it's so important that you, as, as, as believers, buy into, embrace these biblical principles because you are the key to this church growing. Let me share something with you. Do you realize that me and Miss Chantel are not the key to seeing this church grow? We're not. You are. Because guess what? There's only one of us, but there's many of you. It is imperative that you and I together collectively embrace these kingdom principles so that we as disciples can reach multitudes. You see, Jesus saw the multitudes and using that as a backdrop, he began to disciple Fabian. He began to teach. He began to say, here's how you reach them by being who I created you to be. So guys, I want to challenge you today. Open up your hearts and and receive these principles from the Lord. I wrote this down here. The mission of the Lord is reaching people. Or rather, it's in a commentary I read. The mission of the Lord is reaching people, but the method of the Lord is making disciples. Let me say that again. The mission of the Lord is reaching people. I think we all realize that. We want to reach people. We want to reach your friends. We want to reach your families. We want to make a difference in our community. But the method is by making the disciples. The method is by you committing to spiritual growth. The method is for you to commit to these biblical principles and live them out. Amen? So let's look at what Jesus taught. He opened up his mouth. He began to teach them. And in verse number 3, we read the very first beatitude. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but you kind of lost me on poor right there, okay? Because all my life I've been taught you don't want to be poor. You want to do what you're supposed to do. Seth, you're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to provide for your family. You do all that stuff. We don't want to be poor. Poor is a four-letter word. I don't like it, okay? But here's the deal. You got to keep it in the context of what Jesus was teaching, He's not talking about an income right here. He's talking about a condition of the heart. In fact, let me read it to you out of the message. Maybe it'll it'll add a little bit more light to it. The message translation of the Bible says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Well, that makes some sense, doesn't it? Kind of reminds you of what John the Baptist said at one time when Jesus' ministry was beginning. Sister Josie said, Lord, I must decrease and he must increase. You see, that's really what it comes down to, guys. You and I realizing that we need God. We need God. 
and the recovery principles for Celebrate Recovery from principle number one that, that says, realizing I am not God, I admit it, I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. What does spiritually poor mean? It just simply means you acknowledge that you need God. You know, yesterday, guys, I, uh, I did a memorial service for a 21-year-old boy. Also had a chance to spend some time with my dad. He's 81, almost 82, and of course his diagnosis is not really good. And, and for both of those things, I needed God. Fabian, I wouldn't dare try to talk to a bunch of young people and, and try to rationalize and make sense of a 21-year-old who died tragically without God. I wouldn't try to just talk that one through myself. Jamie, I would not try to, 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 to just maybe put a couple cute phrases together and say a couple Christian things to make them feel better. No, no, no. You needed God yesterday. And guess what? He came through for me. He helped me to bring hope. He helped me to bring encouragement to young people. He helped me to encourage and, and strengthen my mom and dad. And, I, and, and that is just the picture of what being spiritually poor is. Recognizing that you need God. Guys, do you realize that every one of us at one time in our lives were spiritually poor? The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. You know, if we take a vote in here, who's the most righteous person? Oh, I don't know. Sister Pepper, you'd get some votes. Sister Eloise, you'd get a few. Sister Garland, you might just win it all. I mean, you're, we, 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 we love you, okay? We just keep, keep, keep Mona out of our mind, okay? <laughs> you know what? But, but, but if we had a vote and we'd say, who's the most spiritual? I don't know how that would go. The good news is we're not going to take that vote, okay? Because the last time I checked, our righteousness is not in us. It's in him, And every one of us, even whoever would win that vote, the most spiritual person in this place is still spiritually poor, is still in need of the touch of God upon their life. Amen? And guys, we got to realize that that's when we're blessed. We're blessed when we realize that we've come to the end of ourselves, we've come to the end of our rope, because that's where there's less of us and more of him. Amen? See, that's the heart of this, of this principle. You're blessed when you're spiritually poor. You're blessed when you come to the end of yourself because when you come to the end of yourself, God can do something great. You know, sometimes we wonder why we don't get a miracle, why we don't have more miracles. Maybe because we don't get to the end of ourself where we need a miracle. Amen? You know, sometimes I think God just uh, gives us as much room as we want to, to, to work things out on our own, ultimately hoping we get to the end of ourselves so we'll look up to him. Amen? Guys, why don't we learn from that example and every day acknowledge how much we need Guys, your pastor needs God more than ever before. Your pastor's wife needs God more than ever before. But guys, you need God more than ever before. Amen? We are all in the same boat here. We are in the spiritually poor boat, or at least we should be. Amen? Because when we come to the end of ourselves, we're in a great place for God to rule and reign. Amen? Good stuff, huh? Let's look at the next one. Verse 4. Blessed are you... Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The message says, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. 
You know, guys, this is probably the, the most often beatitude I've quoted. I pretty much quote it at every funeral. I quoted it yesterday. Why? Because it's a promise at a tough time. How many have been through some tough times in life? I think every one of us have. If you've lived long enough, if you've had enough birthdays, you've been through some tough times. You've seen tragedy. You, you've asked the question, how could this happen to him? Why do bad things happen to good people? Okay, we've, we've all been there. Okay, and that's why a promise like this is so very important because we've all been at a place of mourning. We've all been at a place where our heart was broken. We've all been at a place where we were like, I don't know where to look. Well, the Bible tells us to look up because our help comes from the Lord. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. God promises to comfort them his very self. In fact, he has a special part. He has a special person who is called the comforter. He's the Holy Spirit. He comes in, Jamie, and he does his work. He comes in and, and he comforts. He comes in and brings the peace of Almighty God that can change everything. So blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when, when, when you're going through tough times because at that moment you can be embraced by God. God can be there for you. He can comfort you. The CR curriculum says it this way in principle number, uh, number two. We need to earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him and he has the power to help me recover or the power to help me. Guys, think about it. Not only are you recognizing that you need help, but then you realize where your help comes from. Amen? And our help comes from God. Now, can our help come from friends? Sure. There are times that there are others in the church that can help you. There are times that friends can help you. There are times you can get somebody on the phone, they can pray for you, and that can help you. But there are times that only God can help you. Amen. There are times that only God will do. Nobody else will do. And that's when we know that we have a comforter. We have a friend. And his name is Jesus. So blessed are you, friend, when you mourn. Blessed are you when you go through those tough times. Why? Because it's times like that when you need God. He'll be there for you. Amen. He can come to the rescue. You know, yesterday I, 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 was, I, was looking, I was talking to the mom of the young man who lost his life. And, and I saw the hand of God that had been on her these last couple weeks. Can you only imagine a mother having to, to bury a 21-year-old son? Doesn't make any sense. You know, the natural, the natural progression is that we as parents grow old, gray, and fat. And some of us are well on our way that way. And our kids bury us. Okay. You know what? One day when my dad passes from this earth, it's natural. He's 80. He's in his 80s. He's, I, that's natural. I'm supposed to bury my parents. Now, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that, okay? But I realize that's a natural progression. But having to bury a child, that, <laughs> Seth, that's, that's not how it's supposed to be. But I've seen parents go through this. I've seen some go through it very, very well, and it's only the grace of God. It's only God. It's only God because he promises at times where your heart is broken, at times when you don't think you can go any further, you're blessed right then. Why? Because the God of all comfort, the God of all peace can come to your rescue. Amen? All right, let's look at the next verse. So we're blessed when we come to the end of ourselves. We're blessed when we're mourning. Verse number five, we're also blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are the meek. Now, you know, that's not a word we hear a whole lot of, okay? I've been described a bunch of ways, okay? And, and I, I don't know if I've ever been described as meek. And some of you are like, yeah, no kidding, okay? But I don't know about you. You probably haven't been described as meek very often as well. We, we don't hear those kind of words very often. So let me describe to you what meek really is. It means to have a strong but tender and humble life. It is strong yet teachable spirit. Hmm. Wow, all of a sudden, it, it makes me want to be a little more meek, right? I've always thought that, that if you're meek, you're just a doormat, and people are going to walk all over you. No, no, no. That's probably a wrong mindset for all of us. Because the Bible tells us you're blessed when you're meek because you will inherit the earth. Let's see what the message says. It says you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more and no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Wow. That's some spiritual, that's some spiritual gold right there. Guys, we need, to be, we need to be meek. We need to have less of us so we can have more of God. It does remind me, meek is very similar to, uh, to, being, um, uh, to being selfless. It's, it, probably the opposite of meek would be, would be prideful. To be full of self, okay? We've met folks who are, who are full of themselves, okay? Hum, uh, being humble would be being meek. Uh, so we need to be more humble, not prideful, because the Bible tells us that God, what? Resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How many in here need God's grace? There's another IQ question, okay? It's like whoever wants to be blessed. We, we need God's grace. So we want to make sure we're meek. We want to make sure that we're not prideful. We want to make sure that there's plenty of room for God to fill us up and that we're not full of ourselves. The meek person is a quiet person. He's a strong person. He's not easily provoked. He's forgiving, but, but, he's, but he's also strong. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. CR principle number three tells us, consciously choose to commit all of my life and will to God's care and control. Recognizing that, that you need him. Recognizing that he's the only way. Recognizing that he can handle stuff better than you can. How many have figured out God can handle stuff better than you can? Huh? <clears throat> have any of you ever in here got your mouth got you in trouble? Huh? Anybody in here? Wait a second. This is a Cajun church. I mean, it's all of you, okay? All of you. If you didn't lift your hand, you're lying, okay? That is another message for another day, okay? All of us, we've got our, our mouths that got us in trouble, okay? In fact, the scripture, Jamie, this will speak to your heart. He who talks a lot, sins a lot. Ooh, that's in the Bible? Yes, it is, okay? But because why? We, we talk so much in our filter, and some of you don't even know what a filter is, okay? You know, the filter is that thing between what you think and what you say. Somebody like, I just say what I think. Yeah, we know, okay? Some of us, we got it on Facebook, okay? It's like, let me show you my aunt. Let me show you, you know, okay? But, but we're supposed to develop a filter, okay? Believe it or not, your pastor has a filter, okay? If you think, if you're offended by what I say, you ought to see what I choose not to say, Fabian. You ought to see the things that I just leave right here between me and God, okay? Every now and then, Erwin, I'll tell her some things on the pillow, and she's like, I'm glad you didn't say that, okay? I'm thinking of some things right now, but I'm going to keep it to myself, okay? But here's the thing. How many times we've got our, our mouths have got us in trouble? We've all been there. You know what the problem is? We're not being meek. 
We're not being mild. We think we need to straighten somebody out. We need to give somebody a piece of our mind. Look, I heard it said this way. Before you give somebody a piece of your mind, make sure it's your renewed mind. Make sure you, you, you run that by Jesus first, okay? Instead of giving somebody a piece of your mind, why don't you give them a piece of Jesus? Give them a piece of the word. Give them, give them something that's worthwhile, not just something you'll regret. Amen? So, guys, I just want to challenge us. We need to be more meek. We need to be more mild. We need to find ourselves the proud owners of everything that can't be bought. That's truly being blessed. Amen? Guys, we look around in this world, and there's a lot of nice things that can be bought. But the most important things in life, you can't find at Walmart. You can't find at the mall. You can't order uh, online. The most important things in life can only be given by God. So blessed are you when you're content with just who you are. That's the moment you find yourselves the proud owners of everything that can't be Blessed are the meek, because you will inherit the earth. Number six, or verse number six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, last night, uh, last week, Pastor Ronnie didn't preach long enough for you to get hungry. I will today. Okay? As we get closer to noon, you get hungry. It's a strong desire, okay? Brother Bernie, Sister Annie, Sister Annalie got your breakfast at maybe 6.30 or 7 this morning. Man, that's been four and a half hours ago. He's starting to get hungry, okay? He's starting to think about what we're going to have to eat, okay? Hunger is a strong desire. It's a strong desire. Thirst is a strong desire. What God is saying is, you got to have the same kind of desire, not for things of this world, but for things of God. Blessed are you when you hunger, when you thirst, when you have a strong desire, Belinda, for the things of God. Amen? Guys, that's where we need to get to the place of. Some of us, we have strong desires for a new bass boat. Can I get a witness? We have a strong desire for that new fishing rod at Cabela's. We have a strong desire for that new video game teenager. Some of you who just got their license, Hayden Seneca, have a strong desire for a vehicle. Okay? I'd like for you to have a strong desire for a paying job. Okay? By the way, he has tons of jobs. Most of them don't pay, okay? That stinks, okay? Um, But here's the deal, guys, a strong desire. Well, God is saying have a strong desire for him and he will fill you. Amen? You know, yesterday we, um, we, we, we stopped and we ate at my boy's favorite place to eat, Buffalo Wild Wings, okay? Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, I can't believe you eat that garbage, okay? But I love wings, okay? And we sat there, and, and um, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of wings while I've been kind of on my weight loss journey. Well, yesterday I got off the journey, okay? And, and I got me a medium order of wings, Fabian, and, and I even got me some mango habanero, okay? And whew, I paid for that, okay? But I chased them with Caribbean jerk. And when I was done, Jared, I was full. I was satisfied. I was happy, You know what? We need to be that way with God. We need to hunger and thirst for God and want more of him so that he will fill us and change us and satisfy us like nobody else can. You know, here's the deal. By about 6, 7 o'clock, I was hungry again, Fabian. Good news is I had a few wings left, so I ate those too, okay? Guys, the good news is what the world fills you with, it'll go away really quick. But what God fills you with, Jamie, it'll stay with you a long time. 
In fact, it'll stay with you forever. It'll stay with you through eternity. Let's hunger and thirst for things of God. Let's hunger and thirst for his presence. Let's hunger and thirst for more of him. Work up, friends, a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Boy, that's good stuff, huh? Another principle out of Celebrate Recovery when it says, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Anybody in here could use some changes in your life? Anybody? How many in here are perfect? Lift your hand. Almost got you on that one. So you're just lifting your hand. Okay, you're like a bobblehead with your hand. Just Preacher, I'm about to throw my rotator cuff off, okay? But I, I, none of us are perfect. All of us need some adjustments. All of us need God to make some changes in our lives. Some of them, it's major changes. Some of it, it's just small little adjustments. Let's realize that God can do it. Let him be the master mechanic in your life. Amen? Let him do something great in your life. That's when you worked up a hunger and thirst for righteousness. All right, verse number seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The, The message says you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourself cared for. You see, this is the first reference to sowing and reaping. Okay? Sowing and reaping is a biblical principle. It's a principle that's been around as long as this world has been around. And, and right here, Jesus is saying that when you sow mercy, you reap mercy. When you sow grace, friends, you reap grace. When you sow forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. Guys, we always sow, uh, we always reap what we sow, but here's the thing, you always reap more than you sow. We got some farmers in here. We got some folks who know how to grow stuff. Erwin, I know you do, okay? It was tomatoes before. Who knows what it is this year? But, but you put some seeds in the ground, and Fabian, uh, more comes up than just one or two, you know? Okay, you, you put something in the ground, and more of it comes out. It's the same thing in biblical principles with sowing and reaping, okay? Some of you earlier in the, in, in, in the, in the service, you sowed into an offering. You planted a seed. Now God's going to bring a blessing your way. But it's more than just finances. Okay, I'm not a TV preacher. Okay, I'm just going to tell you the biblical principle. It says this, whatever you sow, you will reap. In this principle, you sow mercy. You sow being caring for others. You're going to reap that in your life. It works both positively and negatively. We need to make sure that we're sowing good seed. We want to make sure that we're sowing stuff that's worth reaping. You know, some of us, we sow nonsense and we pray to the Lord to cancel that harvest. It don't work like that. Amen? We want to make sure that we're sowing good seed. Yesterday, I got to hang out with my mom and dad for a little while, and, and Chantel took mom to go shopping. That's kind of the girl thing to do. Thank you for not making me go. Okay? And me and my dad hung out for a little while, and I kind of helped him with some things. And, and uh, Fabian, he was kind of having a hard time shaving, so I helped him shave. Okay? And we'll be glad to know that the patient survived. Okay? I don't know about you, but I was more nervous than he was. Okay? Maybe I should have took some of them pain pills. Made me feel better. Okay? But dad was like, it's all good, son. Just whatever. And I was nervous. Okay? Because I've hacked myself up. 
okay? And I was really concerned about doing harm to my dad, okay? The Hippocratic Oath says, do no harm. I was really nervous I'd do some harm. But, but you know what? I was, I, was, I was shaving him, and I was kind of cleaning him up a little bit, and, and I was just thinking, this is probably good seed to be sowing, okay? So Hayden, hey, Hayden, one day, bro, take good care of Pop, okay? He's pointing at his brother, wherever he's at, Okay? Oh, what I'm going to do with these boys, okay? But here's the deal. No, here's the deal. No matter how he may feel today, I've sowed good seed, and I'm expecting a harvest. Guys, I want to challenge you. In the kingdom of God, sow good seed. Sow good seed. Speak blessings. When we bless others, what do we get back? Blessings. Speak blessings. Sow good seed. If you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Some of us as Cajuns could learn a big lesson from the fish. If the fish just kept his mouth shut, he would have never got caught. Some of us just can't quite get that, huh? You know what? Sometimes the best thing we can do, Fabian, is say nothing at all. Okay? So we need to learn, guys, sowing and reaping is a biblical principle. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, when you, when you sow mercy, you reap mercy. It works in every other area of our lives, though. We want to make sure that we're making good decisions, that we're sowing good seed. Because God will bless you for it. God will bless you for it. Celebrate recovery principle number six. Talking about happy or the merciful. Evaluate all your relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who've hurt you. Make amends to those that you've done harm to, except when it would do harm to others. Guys, you know what? Forgiveness is one of those seeds that some of us need to be planting more of. Amen? Because we're going to want to bring that harvest home. We want to make sure that we're sowing forgiveness. We want to make sure that we're sowing blessings. Why? Because that's what we will reap. Let's move on to verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart. You know, here's the amazing thing, guys. We don't see people's heart. We see people's actions. We, we judge people's motives, sometimes incorrectly, but we don't see the heart. The good news is the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, he sees our heart. He sees past your actions, he, he sees your motives, and he sees your heart behind the motives. Have anybody in here ever been misunderstood? Jamie, you ever tried to do something and you meant well, but it blew up in your face, okay? You know, you, you're trying to do something right, you're trying to say something nice, Tommy, you're trying to do, do right, and it just didn't work out like you had it planned. Anybody been there? I think every man in here been there. You've been there with your wife. Okay? Ooh, Jamie catching the Holy Ghost over there, okay? Look, look, we've been there before. We set this thing up perfect. It's like, this is going to go great. And, and it's like, no, this is not going so great, okay? Um, we get misunderstood. We, it, it doesn't work out, okay? Megan, give Gabe a, give, give Gabe a break, okay? So we, we've all been there before, okay? Things don't go as we planned them. But the good news is when... My wife has seen through my foolish actions sometimes, and she gives me credit because she knows my heart. I got good news for you guys. God knows your heart. Amen? And whether you're being misunderstood or misconstrued or or whatever the case may be, keep doing right because God sees your heart. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will have an intimacy with God that nobody else will have. We need to make sure that our hearts stay pure. We want to make sure that, that, that we ask God to search our hearts and cleanse our hearts. Why? Because we want to see God. 
Proverbs 20, uh, Psalm 24 rather says, it asks the question, who shall, who shall go up the mountain of the Lord? The Bible says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Guys, it's important that we have clean hands, but it's even more important that we have a pure heart. Keep your heart pure. Don't allow anything to pollute your heart. Don't allow anything to pollute your heart. We need to have a pure heart. Two wonderful promises are made to those that have a pure heart. They will see God. They'll have an intimacy with God here on this earth that nobody else is going to have. And then ultimately, they're going to see God face to face. The pure in heart is what it's all about, guys. We want to have a pure heart. We want to have more more intimacy with the Lord. Principle, uh, uh, principle number four of Celebrate Recovery's Recovery Principles. Openly examine and confess your faults to God, yourself, uh, myself, and someone I trust. Guys, being pure in heart means making sure that we're walking in forgiveness. Remembering that 1 John 1 and 9 is so true. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, when you do that, you live the blessed life. Remember, why are we going through these? Because I want you blessed. God wants you blessed. We need to live by these biblical principles so we can live the blessed life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Verse number 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The message says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You know, guys, we often refer to church as a family, and we are a family. But how many know in every family, we don't always 100% agree, okay? Have you always agreed with everything that has ever happened in your family? No, okay? Nothing, there's no perfect family, okay? Not even a church is perfect. By the way, if you're looking for the perfect church, if you're a visitor today, I hate to tell you, this ain't it, okay? Because as long as I'm the pastor we fail to be perfect, okay? And if I happen to be perfect, the moment you came to this church, we would cease to be perfect because you're not perfect either. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect families, amen? But we all serve a perfect God. And if we'll walk together as peacemakers, guess what? Some pretty good things will happen. Amen? We need to actively pursue peace. We need to actively try to restore relationships. We need to actively do what God is calling us to do, and that's be a peacemaker. Discover who you really are. Use your gifts, use your abilities to build the kingdom of God. Amen? So guys, I just want to challenge this. You're blessed when you're a peacemaker. You're blessed when you try to um, inter- intervene and you try to make a difference for the kingdom. When you do what God calls you to do. You're a peacemaker. We need more peacemakers in the church today. We need more peacemakers in our families today. Peacemakers are pretty awesome people. Why? How can you be a peacemaker? Because you know the God of peace. Amen? If you know the God of peace, you can bring the peace of God to any situation. Let me say that again. That was pretty good. That ain't in my notes. Somebody needed to hear that. If you know the God of peace, you can bring the peace of God to any situation. Some of you, there's situations in your family that need the peace of God. You, as a child of the God of peace, can bring the peace of God.
Amen? Actively do that. Be a peacemaker. Be somebody that God can use and God can bless. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. You know what? We adults could learn a lesson from our kids every now and then. How many have ever seen your kids fight? Yeah, every parent here, okay? So, JD's two hands. Can I lift a foot too? Okay? Here's the thing, okay? Those two, Hunter and Hayden, I've got to watch them fight a few times, okay? In fact, we've been driving a lot the last couple of days, and they start yang yang, okay? It used to be it was a giggle. Remember that giggle? Okay, they would start laughing, Sister Karen, and next thing you know, somebody was crying, okay? And by the way, it was Hayden just as often it was Hunter, okay? But, but here's the thing about brothers and family. They'll be fighting one moment. They'll make up and they'll be hugging the necks, okay? We could learn something from kids. Charles and Samuel. There are times where it looks like World War III. And then there's times it's like, look at those two sweet angels, okay? Now, I know those moments are few and far between, but we could learn something from kids. They go from one extreme, man, I want to I wanna do you in, to the other extreme of we love each other. Guys, we need to be like that as grown-ups. We need to love hard. We need to be peacemakers. We need to do all that we can to realize that relationships are too important in the kingdom of God. Let's be peacemakers. Amen? Let's wrap this thing up because I'm getting hungry and y'all are wishing Ronnie was preaching. Verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The message says, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Guys, we're going to go through some difficult times. We're going to be persecuted. Now, I'll be honest with you, we in America, with all the freedoms that we enjoy, we don't understand persecution. We really don't. I mean, probably the bulk of persecution you might get is, is somebody might, uh, might tease you at work for being a Christian, or, or maybe when I'm at the school, they, they tease me for not cursing, or, or whatever, you know. Or, or I tell you what's funny, it's amazing, folks that don't use profanity, they try to catch you using it, okay? You know, oh, did, did he slip a word? No, I didn't slip a word, okay? By the way, you can't slip what ain't in there. Let me say that again. Can't slip what ain't in there. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So keep the heart pure, and guess what? You ain't got to worry about anything slipping. Stuff slipping all the time, you might want to check the heart. Just a thought. That, that wasn't in my notes. Somebody needed to hear that. Heck, I probably needed to hear that, okay? But here's the deal, guys. You're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. For yours is the kingdom of God. Guess what, guys? It's okay to undergo persecution. It's okay to be shunned in your family. It's okay to be maybe criticized or teased at work. Teenagers, it's okay to be, um, man, I'm not in the in crowd. It's okay. Trust me, that crowd will change, okay? It's okay to be persecuted because God says when you stand up for him, he'll stand up for you. You know what? One of the greatest stories I read is in, in the first couple chapters of Acts. It was the first martyr of the church. Remember Stephen? Okay, Stephen was martyred for his faith. He was stoned. He got the religious folks so fired up, Jamie, they were so fashé that they stoned the boy. But here's what I love about it, Sister Josie. I read in the Bible where it says he looked up and he saw Jesus not seated at the right hand of God, but what? Standing at the right hand of God. You know what I think it was? I think it was a standing ovation. 
I think Jesus stood to his feet and said, Father, look at Stephen. Look at that faith. Look at that man who's standing up for you and I. The least I can do is stand up for him. That's what I see it. I see it like that. Guys, when you take a stand for God, he'll take a stand for you. When you do right, you got to trust that God will bless you for it. Amen? Man, I, I told you the story of our taxes. I, I, we got our taxes done by a CPA, and, and, uh, and at first he said we owed a lot of money. I didn't like that, okay? And then we gave him some more information, and he said we were going to get back a little bit of money. And I was like, cool. And for some crazy reason, Sister Eloise, I decided to look at the numbers because I always did taxes myself. And I saw a little deduction, actually a $4,000 deduction, that, that we didn't really qualify for. It was our mortgage on a house that we owned, but we didn't pay the note. Somebody paid it for us, so we can't take that deduction. And I was like, man, I really don't want to tell the CPA about that because that will make that, that, that number that I'm getting back go way, way down. But guess what? I'm going to do the right thing. So I called him up and I said, hey, Mr. Mott, it, it just didn't quite work out. But, but there's something else that I found that you forgot about. So, so he made up, a few, he, he, he kind of washed it out. And then I said, and what about mileage from a wife who's a minister? He said, oh yeah, we can do that too. Long story short, me doing the right thing doubled my income tax return. When at first I thought it was going to really cost me. Guys, it never costs you to do the right thing. It never costs you to do the right thing. It's always worth doing the right thing. Teenagers, it's never worth doing the wrong thing. Sometimes we see people do the wrong thing and, and it looks like they're blessed for it. It looks like things work out for them. The story's still being written. Amen? You keep doing right. You keep doing things God's way. You trust that even if you're persecuted for your faith, God will honor your faith. Let's wrap things up. Verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. You see, guys, when Jesus was beginning this teaching to the disciples, the persecution they were going through wasn't real bad. It was just kind of they were persecuted in the, the religious circles. They were kind of persecuted in those areas. But, but full onslaught of persecution from the government hadn't come on yet. But just a few short years later, there would be such a, a demonic leader in Rome, or in Rome that, that he would cause Christians to fight in, the, in the, um, the Colosseum and die their death. He even would light Christians on fire to, 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 to light his garden. Crazy man. Jesus knew those, that kind of persecution was coming. Jesus knew that tough times were coming. So he was teaching them, guys, it's okay. It's okay. Trust me. Trust the process. You're blessed when you go through tough times because you will receive a reward in heaven. As I told you, we here in America, we don't understand true persecution. But guys, it's coming. There's difficult times that are ahead. Okay? Will it get as difficult as I described? I don't know. But God knows. And God knows that he wants to warn us that any persecution we should go through is worth it. Any difficulty we go through on this side of heaven is worth it. Because earth, uh, this life is a very short thing. Eternity is a very long thing. Anything we go through on this life is worth it if we'll stay faithful to God. Because eternity is worth forever. Guys, God will bless you. God will take care of you no matter what you're going through. 
final principle of recovery, principle number eight in Celebrate Recovery, it says, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. You see, God wants to use you and me. God wants to use us as an example to others. Do you realize that you may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads? Let that sink in. I may be the only Bible that somebody ever reads at Berwick High School. I may be the only biblical example that some of those coaches or some of those kids get to see. What am I showing them? I hope I'm showing them that there's something different to this thing. I hope I'm showing them that there's something to this faith. I hope I'm showing them that there's some consistency to walking with God. That I'm able to keep my cool when other people's can't. That I'm able to, to walk uprightly and with integrity when other people cut corners. I hope I'm showing them those things, but I hope you are too. Amen? We need to live our lives in such a way that we can walk in the blessed life. No matter what persecution we may be going through, no matter what difficulty we may be going through, realize that God is always there for you. Amen? As Pastor Tommy comes this morning and I wrap things up, you know, guys, we talked about a lot of different ways to be blessed. You know, one thing I've always said is that blessings follow obedience. Amen? And some of these principles we talked about this morning are kind of difficult. Sometimes it's hard to be meek. Sometimes it's hard to to realize that even when you're mourning, even when your heart is broken, that God is going to bless you. Sometimes it's hard to be poor in spirit, to admit that you need help. But guys, no matter what you may be going through today, if you'll realize that the source of all blessings is God, you can look to him during your time of need.